Welcome to Donut Talks. Connecting dots, talks worth having. These are conversations that deepen our understanding, accelerate our learning, and ignite action towards a donut economy. We are Rita Alirejo and Stefan Verveng, two former Accenture Netherlands colleagues who became friends while singing on stage in a company band. La, 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 la. Today, we are independent professionals who connect on scalable learning towards a regenerative and distributive economy, inspired by the book Donut Economics. In this podcast, we facilitate our own learning journey and we hope to bring value to yours. After the massive success of our first series in Dutch, we have decided for this series to summarize and comment on each of the chapters of the Donut Economics book in Dunglish. And in all honesty, it was not really a decision, it's just something we could not escape. Donut Economics has a planetary scope and we need to connect globally. So instead of speaking Dutch, we'll give our best Dunglish a try. Chapter 7. Be agnostic about growth, from growth addicted to growth agnostic. And this time, like we had in the Dutch series, for our Dunglish series, we have a special guest. Who's here? Familiar guest. Oh yeah, a familiar guest. We know him now. What's your name? What's your name? Hello, I'm uh, Indra Geesink. Yes, from Maastricht. Welcome, Indra. Thank you. Yes, super cool that you are joining us again. Yes, and maybe you can just uh, spend like two sentences on uh, telling our uh, listeners uh, what you are about, who you are, because they know us because we have a lengthy intro (laughs) talking about our backstory. But of course, you are not included in that intro, so perhaps you can uh, say a little bit of what you're doing uh, in real life uh, in the daytime. Right. Um, I'm a student for a long time already in Maastricht. Um, I study econometrics and operations research. So I have a bachelor in quite uh, quite economic bachelor uh, and master, yeah, mostly bachelor. Um, and I'm also uh, what's it called burger commissielid in politics in the province. I'm in the university council. Uh, of the university and um, yeah yeah and so so burger commissie lid would probably be translated in perfect English into citizen committee member uh, su- uh, supporting um, I'm just sort of supporting um, the I'm sometimes I sit in the seat of a politician to uh, reduce their load. Uh, in, yeah. in the job, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like an assistant, like a political assistant, or a... well, you're actually doing the the work of the pol- of the politician uh, mm-hmm. at some times. You cannot be in the main um, meetings, but you can be in the preparatory uh, meetings. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Nice. And uh, there are some uh, uh, topical issues there that also relate to this. Uh, discussion of this book, for example, uh, long long discussions about the local airport, uh, airport, Maastricht mm-hmm. uh, oh. Airport, which is the most uh, of all the airports in the Netherlands, like in the middle of a living area. So there were stories of people that could see from their bedroom the face of the pilot. Wow! 
when they go up and down. Up close and personal. Yeah, oh, like wow. 100 meter distance. That's that's and Maastricht for you, right? It's it's very friendly. It's like yeah. Right. <laughs> but the, the conclusion was that really we cannot uh, consider closing down the airport. Like uh, that is not. There will be an analysis of the cost and benefits. Uh, taking into account not only money but all kinds of factors, like for the uh, social factors, environmental factors, but the possibility of closing down uh, the airport cannot be on the table. That was like mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. well, the then, major- uh, people majority. have to be uh, be really creative then to yeah. to solve all the other issues. It's a nice um, example of, of yeah. how the uh, the airline industry is uh, still the uh, the exception to a lot of the sustainability uh, developments. And also very appropriate for chapter seven. Yeah, good metaphor. <laughs> yes, because actually yeah. uh, the, the aircraft, uh, the airplane, is, plays a central role in this chapter. And I don't think it's by chance. So, yeah. yeah. Shall we um, dig into the chapter? Uh, yes, yes. Final chapter yeah. of the book. The seventh, yeah. the seventh of the seven ways to think like a 21st century communist to be agnostic about growth. And so she does say uh, that with agnostic, she she doesn't mean that you shouldn't care about growth or it shouldn't be on the table, but it shouldn't be the the primary focus. So it's tying back to to the first chapter where we already took care of GDP not being the sole measure uh, that we need to look at. Uh, And now in this chapter, she basically explains a little bit why. Yes. Yes, and actually, uh, Indra and I had a nice conversation just before we started recording about. Uh, well, Indra, you were suggesting that actually this this could have been part of chapter one in a way, right? Yeah, so mm-hmm. I was kind of reflecting on does it make sense that this is the final chapter, or why why that is so, and sort of conclusion that I came to is that this is the the Medusa. If you look it into the eyes, you you stiffen, right? You cannot, mm-hmm. you're, you're immobilized. Yeah, the Medusa question is: Is green growth possible? Right? Yeah, that's the, the where 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 the the minds get split. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but, but she also mentions somewhere, you know, even if it would be possible, because it's still like a hypothesis in a sense, we we shouldn't bet all our money on just that option. We should look to uh, more solutions instead of just green growth, because. With a, with a lot of things, also with a decoupling story that she, you know, the examples that she gives, she says, even if you look at, because green growth is basically the, the more like relative decoupling of growth and uh, like resource efficiency. Uh, and it's not enough. We have to have like uh, sufficient absolute decoupling. So I don't think she, she puts a verdict very black and white on green growth. She just says, I don't think it will be enough. Yeah, and and the the, the, the coupling and decoupling and growth all relates to uh, the uh, the GDP, right? So mm-hmm. uh, on our wiki, we also have this video of Gray Kate for this chapter, and it features a, an aircraft which, on its tail, has uh, GDP airlines. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, so it's a plane that takes off but is not built to land. Yeah. That's the uh, the story she uses for that. And uh, I think it's very interesting how she, uh, at the start of the chapter, describes an exercise she does with some of her students, uh, asking this question, the Medusa question, is green growth possible? And how uh, the community of students gets split in two. 
Uh, and mm -hmm. also she can tell like, oh, typically the, 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 those who want to work at the large companies, they, they will be very, uh, you know, energetic in defending the position that, yes, it is possible. Whereas the people that are more inclined to work in NGOs and, and more in the social sector uh, will defend the opposite. And, uh, but there's no in-between, right? There's no, no middle ground. Well, she didn't give an in-between. She yeah. made people choose. So she yeah, yeah. had to True. choose either, either yes or no. one or the other. It was a yes or no. Yeah. And I also like that she, she really mentioned that that you know, friends were looking at each other uh, across the aisle, saying, yeah. "Oh, I didn't know this about you." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> illustrating that that this and she and she she comes back to that later in the chapter in the chapter when she talks about our social addiction, our individual addiction mm -hmm. to to growth. Mm -hmm. That it's it's also like a concept that is so uh, ingrained in us again, and so it's hard to kick the habits. Of trying, uh, of aspiring mm -hmm. in that sense, as an economy, as a society, but also as an individual, towards something that is more. Yeah, yeah, and I it, think it, uh, yeah. Go ahead. It, it's also uh, that you're kind of stuck as a person. Maybe I think she mentioned, "Well, I want to be a cool consultant, uh, so therefore I have to be in the uh, uh, growth positive uh, tribe," uh, and and it's kind of like. To, to be cool or to be uh, green is kind of split. Uh, mm. Yeah, and, yeah and, and green is, is a positive idea, I think, and, and growth, if it has a positive connotation. So it's like, it's double positive. I mean, why, why wouldn't you choose for that? But it's, of, of course, the, uh, maybe the inconvenient truth that uh, maybe it is not a, a feasible option and therefore you have to choose uh, uh, with your brain. <laughs> um, I, Actually, I, recent, I recently also uh, had a, a lecture by by an author, uh, an, an American one called Christopher Mann, who wrote a book, uh, The Wizard and the Prophet, mm -hmm. which seemed like a really good one, uh, um, investigating this uh, dichotomy of techno-optimism versus techno-pessimism, and this, mm -hmm. that this is really, really old. So that's the, yeah, the, the prophet is like, well, we're all going to, die if we don't do do this and that because of limits to growth and the wizard is like making new technologies all the time and ah uh -huh, right yeah and uh i think the message here of the chapter would be to not have to be against to have complete faith in the um in the uh, growth optimism um but to maybe make societies that thrive whatever is the growth prospect and that also this is unpredictable mm -hmm. to to at least be against to be uh, to be addicted to it mm. yeah yeah but i think she also just points out you know it's 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 more than a choice it's also looking at things that are actually already emerging and looking at data more closely and understanding for instance when she talks about the S curve instead of the exponential growth curve of, of GDP. Mm -hmm. It's also for uh, developed nations to, to accept the fact that they are actually in a low GDP era now. So they're more in this era of you, you've matured your economy already. So instead of uh, chasing this dream of an ever-increasing GDP, acknowledge that you perhaps have to change it, change by design instead of by disaster. 
So it's it's more than just a choice. It's also um, reflecting on observations that she makes, not in the sense only of where, where are we actually as a growth as a as a mature economy in the world stage now. So so what does that say of the actions there about the actions that we need to take? But also things like the the roles. Yeah? She also refers back to the roles that we have in the, in the economy, like a household and the commons and the market and the state. Mm-hmm. And a lot of value, it, it also, again, observation, what you see now is that more and more value is being generated outside of market transactions. So, so those are findings that, that don't necessarily make it a choice whether you go for GDP exactly. or not. Yeah. What she actually says is, we, we, we see these things already, and there's another thing that's center staged, namely, uh, we, we want to be a thriving society within, with a, a thriving economy, a thriving society. Mm-hmm. And then it, if that's the focus, if that's center stage, then you know, in that case, GDP might be growing or it might stay equal or, or it might decrease. But it, that doesn't matter because it's not GDP that we are looking at. We're looking at how are we thriving. We're thriving in the commons. If the commons grows and its potential grows, that might very well be possible within, a, within an equal, uh, you know, steady state or declining GDP. Because yeah, so not, actually, not a lot of the transactions are are through mark. Not a lot, lot of the value is created through market transactions. Exactly. Well, that's exactly the point. So value may be created uh, even though it's not registered in the uh, in the GDP yeah. indicator, yeah. right? Uh, because maybe uh, there's another way of uh, monitoring that kind of value creation because that'll also help to be more agnostic towards the indicator of GDP. Yeah. Uh, but it's not about you know uh, sticking your head in, in the ground and not monitoring at all, right? No. But it, it it'll have it's so it's so being agnostic about growth in the GDP sense uh, may take emit more neutral stance towards you know the the direction of development for GDP. Yeah. But it's not uh, indifferent of uh, change indicators. At least it's no. not how I interpret. No, yeah, absolutely. It's the same way I've read it as well. So yeah. it's not just, uh, yeah, so being agnostic about growth, it's also broadening your spectrum yeah. and seeing, okay, what else is happening and what are the indicators of a of a thriving or a better economy, both yeah. on the social front yeah. and the ecological front, and how can we make those things better? Yeah, and it, and I think it's interesting because actually, uh, what's a bit uh, be uh, a bit below the surface of this is that she, the the chapter opens with this polarizing polarizing question, right? Like a yes no question, and then she introduces this third perspective, which is agnostic about the the exact answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think in the, the same with the, the the prophet and the wizard, uh, the optimism and pessimism thing you mentioned. Uh, uh, Rita reminded me last week. Uh, that uh, Rayworth always uses uh, the word uh, when, when she's asked the question, "Are you an optimist or a pessimist?" She says, "I'm an activist." <laughs> right, uh, and uh, I like that because that's that's actually uh, I think very much the same idea is that you have this third uh, perspective on, on such a polarizing question. Like you have to choose a black and white position. No, it's about. Uh, on a daily basis, uh, taking action with whatever insight you at, at that moment uh, have available. Mm-hmm. And your context and, and your uh, yeah. sphere of influence. Yes, exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of our main points also is combining with um, with the chapter of we are all economists um, with the with the the growth stages that we read in the beginning from was it Rostov? Right? Yes, yeah, yeah, Rostov, yeah. the five stages of growth. The five stages of growth. Mm -hmm. This this whole phase that we went through with the, the uh, uh, ready for takeoff, you know, it's it's the phase where perhaps also already the second stage. Yeah, the stages uh, are one is traditional society, two yeah. preconditions for takeoff, three yeah. takeoff, yeah. four drive to maturity, then the age of high mass consumption. Yeah. Exactly. And so, but especially I think in the takeoff uh, section, that's when societies build their infrastructure and their, their institutions and their systems. And so mm -hmm. that for now is actually the biggest challenge because all that infrastructure and those institutions, you know, later she breaks it down into financial, political and uh, societal uh, institutions and dynamics. Including educational. Those, yeah, those are yeah. so addicted to growth. They, they depend on growth, they expect the growth, they need it. And that's actually the biggest challenge uh, also for, for economists uh, uh, doing studies now. We need, to, we need to redesign those. We need to see how, how can we transition, transition those systems, transform those systems into systems that, that are not so dependent on growth. And I, I think that's the, the, like a huge uh, challenge for us all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, <laughs> uh, linking to that is. Uh, I think we could learn a lot also from traditional indigenous societies, which are usually already quite satisfied uh, with how they are living with modest uh, means, while we are often very much on the treadmill and wanting the next thing to be satisfied again and maybe feeling lonely in our mass consumption society. Um, yeah, I uh, think that will be a very important thing. The power yeah. of enough, the, the power of enough, really, and the yeah. power of understanding what is really important. It's so funny to see how, how also the early, she, she talks about, about the early, the early uh, economic uh, masters, you will, things like that, people like Adams and Keynes, Ricardo. In that era, and perhaps also now, uh, you know, it, the economy is so much like, oh, it, it needs to, it needs to work, it needs to get fi be fixed, it it needs to, you know, be optimized, and then after that, we can think about uh, more important things in life because all those all those economists also had kind of like a steady state in mind. But that that took that that was the back seat, you know. We we uh, we only would have time for uh, human relations again, uh, creativity once the economy was in place. And so that that's also like a a, a, a mindset that we just can't use now because we also have noticed the, the economy is is part of of who we are and who, how we organize ourselves. Just like personal development, perhaps it will never be finished. You know, we can't mm -hmm. wait for that to be finished. We just have to have like a different view on, on what's happening around us. And yeah, but this this feeling that you, more. Yeah. that you mentioned as well of a feeling that you have enough. This I think mm -hmm. is quite important. Feeling sort of also finished, uh, mm -hmm. perhaps at at, at times, uh, and and not be then thus uh, addicted. 
Um, we can learn that, I think, from traditional societies, but at the, at the same time, our mass consumption society is destroying these same uh, societies, which I think is, uh, and then destroying the possibility to learn from them as well. If, mm-hmm. if they are sort of exposed to our, uh, more to our culture, and then you have also, you compare yourself with, um, w- with each other. I did a, a course on ecological economics from the bottom up a long time ago. And there, this was one of the case studies that sort of a local community and getting into touch with our society. And then they want scooters and mm-hmm. iPhones and they, mm-hmm. tra- yeah. they trash their entire community, which used to be a steady state economy in balance with mm-hmm. nature. And they used to be ha- uh, happier as well. Mm-hmm. And drink fire water, right? Which is a <laughs> traditional... Uh... A problem the 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 al- use of alcohol right uh, okay. which well uh, it's it's not common it used to be not common i think in those cultures so when they were introduced to alcohol and and, and its addiction that, that's uh, very yeah, destructive I think, yeah so so definitely we should be um you know we, we should take more better more and better care of the indigenous uh, societies that are still out there but i think it's also a challenge to just redefine the culture that we have in uh, in more modern richer western societies and i think that is happening you see the youth yeah. caring more you know having more of a holistic view caring more you know having more of an awareness of what is happening to the planet wanting mm-hmm. to do things differently and i think you know i think that's also a very very powerful force because then you will have like a, a different standard that will also probably you know be be a different mirror for for developing and upcoming economies mm. Mm. yeah i'm very much surprised uh, looking at my own generation i'm 43 that uh, still there there that it appears that there is just a very hard split uh with uh, in in terms of generations that it's it's the very young kids that uh actually have a voice in making a change and uh, the people in my generation somehow you know they you were corrupted bit, through time <laughs> well they're unheard or, or you don't hear them they're just okay, participating in the system that's I don't my necessarily view necessarily agree because no? if i look at all the if i look at a lot of the bottom up initiatives sure if it's more like in the startup world mm-hmm. you see a lot of younger generations yeah, millennials you know, those are like younger. really young millennials or younger yeah. Yeah. but if you look at the commons world mm-hmm. and uh, citizens initiatives yeah. those are much more uh mm-hmm. with with the lead of really around 40 40 plus perhaps even older people that mm-hmm. are that are within that common space i feel not mm-hmm. a lot of younger people. Those are really with uh, you know the entrepreneurial startup, uh, new kinds of uh, sustainable products, sustainable entrepreneurship, social entrepreneurship. But if you look at commons, more like who who is creating these neighborhood initiatives, who is actually volunteering, for instance, more, much more and older is what would be older, <laughs> our generation basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or older even, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to explore further this uh, also the, uh, the 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 dynamics of, of you ever know how are these communities structured uh, mm-hmm. I, I very much would like to dive deeper in the embedded economy idea and, and getting a sense of demographics and yeah and things like as that a, as a side note to that there's also grandparents for the future i think they mm-hmm. are called mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then they uh, they also uh, stand 
stand up for the climate for yeah for the grandkids basically yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah that's very interesting they have the beautiful flyer of passing down the the world to the to their kids like that oh, is the really? best gift you can give yeah, yeah. It, it yeah. is. Well, on that note, I think even in a more broader sense, but now we're really drifting away from the chapter. So let's let's uh, uh, turn back to that in a minute. Uh, I, I, there's this website in the Netherlands called dagstage.nl. So it's like a, a daily uh, internship for a day. Uh, mm-hmm. where, and um, it's, it's small, small, but it's, it's growing. And uh, they are now experimenting with uh, ha- offering internships for uh, that you can have with older people, or old people ca- can uh, like really all, like uh, octogenaire. Uh, no, How, what, what do you call uh, retired people? Yeah, mm-hmm. the, that they can uh, join on a project in an organization for a while because it, it, there are many benefits for both the parties involved. Uh, to that and it's it's really an untapped uh, potential and i think in passing along wisdom which is in, in, in indigenous traditions mm-hmm. honoring multiple generations and the the, the passing down of, of, of accumulated wisdom is very much uh something that is common in those traditions and it's basically eroded i think in, in western yeah. culture mm-hmm. True. Yeah, uh, we should so, really get yeah. that back yeah, and it's a very so basic bad. idea, right? It's not yeah. even related to any kind of economics. It's mm-hmm. more like who, uh, you know, uh, uh, how would we like to relate uh, mm-hmm. to uh, between generations, and 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 how can we learn from one another? And yeah. I, I'm I'm absolutely convinced that the answer to that is yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I can link that to the chapter again. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> Go, Indra. Um, <laughs> I think uh, innovation is uh, really important and also mm-hmm. really tied to the question of whether you are growth optimist or growth pessimist. Um, it's really of all times uh, also innovation and we really need innovation to to uh, break through all our limits, uh, also limits to growth, otherwise we can't continue. And But it's not just, it's also social innovation, for example, mm-hmm. New, mm-hmm. new ways to to, to, to relate to each other. And I think then an interesting question is what kind of mindset um, maximally um, cultures uh, innovation uh, to, to, towards um, driving economy. Um, yeah. And m- my, I, my bet is that to be sort of growth um, pessimist or um, to, 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 to emphasize this hard ecological ceiling that that is actually conducive to uh, innovation uh which is a big part of why i think that, that well i think both boundaries not, not just yeah. the ecological ceiling also the social right. foundation if you if you if you really are aware of those boundaries and you yeah you make that part of your design challenge uh i think that that already you know for, for real create i heard somewhere was it I don't remember anymore, but for, for true creativity, you have to set boundaries. Like a, a blank sheet yep. is actually not very good for creativity. You need tension. You need uh, tension. tension. Is you a need fuel. boundaries. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. That, that will push you towards towards yeah. innovation. Yeah. yeah. And one boundary is, is for that not enough, right? Because no. what I, I learned <laughs> from exploring the, the, uh, the, the, the donut economics model, or the, the image more uh, in a workshop last week, or two weeks ago now, is, is that actually the working on the lower boundary, the inner boundary of, of social foundation can put, you know, if, if you focus on that only, you, you may uh, as well forget about the upper boundary of uh, the outer boundary, 
of the geo uh, of the ecological ceiling, um, right? Uh, yeah. Th- those two pressure one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also you know going back to the last chapter about designing for a regenerative economy. Yeah. If if you if you have the the environmental Kuznets curve. It's very much the the justification, right? So if you're still like poor and you, you have to work on your social foundation or you're not developed yet, then it's okay to to pollute uh, because you know uh, you need to grow first and then later on growth will will clean everything up again. And, and she actually mentions in the chapter also again with data that that's not not the case. So we should learn, and she I think she also mentioned it in this chapter. We should leverage all these uh, these uh, these things that we've learned on how to create more regenerative uh, solutions to uh, developing countries as well and i think a lot is happening in those within those nations themselves uh, so it's not it's not impossible to to grow in that sense perhaps green growth <laughs> is justified a little bit more in those in those economies you know because that's also part of the S curve, right? Uh, she says the lower income, uh, lower it's a uh, low income but high growth economies. Then there's middle income and a bit of stagnating growth economy, and then at the end it's uh, it's it's uh, no growth or even uh, negative growth. Mm. So in the beginning, it, it is possible to have uh, a low income a growth economy, and it's also justified to have this growth economy. But with all the solutions that we can come up with together in how to do that in a regenerative way so taking care of the the top boundary of the ecological ceiling that's so they don't have to make the same mistakes that we uh, did in developed countries for for uh we already touched a little bit on this but there are four different ways of relating to gdp that uh rayworth mentions uh when it comes to um Having an alternative perspective on this green growth, right, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and building on the aircraft uh, metaphor, uh, she mm-hmm. says again, if you if you have that idea of a, a split community, you have the keep on flying passengers. Uh, so economic growth is still necessary. Uh, so uh, it must it must be possible, uh, but also the prepare for landing passengers that want to land the plane. Um, and and for the different trajectories, she 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 mentions four different ways of relating to the GDP, right? So one is just following the current known pathway, the GDP mm-hmm. as we are already using it. Then there's relative decoupling, the absolute decoupling, and the sufficient absolute decoupling. And in the uh, image in the book, it's the only curve that actually falls below the planetary boundary. So mm-hmm. by that she's actually saying that's the only viable so pathway. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm very curious, and I have a sense that you both uh, have have much more ideas on this. It's very curious. So if we're not focusing on GDP, mm-hmm. but we do want to use any of these three other options, which we need to uh, expand a bit on, I think, explore a bit more. What what does she mean by that? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we focusing on when we are talking about those types of decoupling? What what are they about? Uh, it, aren't we measuring anything? Um, but the three things you mean—the three types of decoupling or the yeah, different yeah. Pet, types of passengers. No, no, no the, 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 decoupling the decoupling here really just again is GDP growth on the one axis, and the mm-hmm. other axis is resource use. So 
what we've seen with just following the regular GDP growth is mm -hmm. that GDP growth also means that resources are being used and, and we have finite resources. So that's also already a non-sustainable way to mm -hmm. go, right? So apart from mm -hmm. GDP, an ever-growing GDP is a myth. It, it can't, it, it, it's, it's not something that's, that's reality, but also our, our resources are finite and not infinite with, with the GDP growth curve is like an exponential oh. infinite curve. Yeah, yeah, it only goes and up. It only goes up. Our planet yeah. cannot go up. We only have one. Yeah. So that, yeah, already, yeah. that already shows us that we need to decouple. So that's so the start. Do I understand correctly? Because uh, this is growing for me now, but do I understand correctly that this decouple, these decoupling pathways she mentioned mm -hmm are all related to planetary boundaries only. Uh, so not, oh, it's not about related. the societal... The no, it's, societal. it's associated with resource. Also, also in the, in, in, at the bottom of the picture, you see, it's associated resource use. Yeah. So what you see is why real, relative decoupling is already happening is because we are already more efficient with water and energy. So the whole um, uh, energy transition, for instance, is a big strategy for the relative decoupling. So because this is relative, can, yeah. Yeah, because then you can have GDP growth mm -hmm. at a rate that is uh, uh, is higher. So growth is higher than the than the growth rate of the resource use. Yeah. So you have you have you need less resources for an equal or more amount of growth. Right. That's relative decoupling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so, this, so, so this links to the corporate to-do list then uh, with the uh, in the sense that uh, you know do nothing yeah. uh, do what pays this is uh, what pays yeah right? this is what pays right this is what pays what also pays well not not, not necessarily right it, it, probably but we, it, it's quite different concepts i think it's just if you think about the the footprint of the earth that is really the kind of a thing here that we're I think we're lo you're, we're looking at the time series graph, correct? Yeah. Uh, the 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 one with the four decoupling. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so so there's time on the on the yeah. on the x-axis, mm -hmm. and then I think the on the GDP um, curve, this is the resource use that you would use with uh, just business as usual. You don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Then a relative decoupling is that you are. Uh, in relative terms, you use less uh, less resources, <coughs> so CO two, water, etc. But it's still growing through time. Mm -hmm. Absolute decoupling is that the resource use decreases through time, uh, but it's still accumulating right uh, over time. Sort of you're 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 at, like analogous to as a, as a government, you're running a deficit, so you're building on a debt over time. If you reduce your Deficit, you're still accumulating uh, debts over time. Well, so, uh, hold on, Indra, because I yeah. do see that the 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 absolute decoupling line is is moving more towards uh, this, let's say, safe bound planetary boundary. Right. Mm -hmm. So it seems that uh, that it ha is uh, having a mm. negative accumulative impact, uh, right, over time. Um, but yeah. not enough to not enough. to, uh, yeah. uh, to not enough because up. because again in the Western world we live on four planets we live on the use of four or five planets so even if it uh, the the rate mm. of uh, resource use is low is lower is falling 
and you then you still have growth of GDP, but the resource use is falling. If it if it doesn't fall substantially, so that's where the sufficient absolute decoupling comes in. The sufficient absolute decoupling means it's falling beneath this. We have okay. one planet boundary. Okay, here absolute I, I decoupling get, is still is still maybe a planet and a half. Two but I, I get very confused by, uh, the, of, of the, by this distinction because if you have absolute decoupling, in my simple understanding, that means it's not coupled at all. Uh, no, uh, because it moves no. in the opposite direction. GDP grows no, 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 and resources uh, go go down. The absolute, rate. absolute decoupling only means that in absolute terms. We're using less resources in the future than we are using now. So we're still using resources, which can still be way too taxing for the planet. So instead of two planets, we'll be using 1.9. That's absolute decoupling. Right. So an absolute decoupling then can be done in various degrees. You can have uh, a little bit of absolute decoupling. Yeah. And you can have a lot of absolute decoupling. Yes. But still not enough. Well, uh, if it's sufficient, then it's sufficient. Then it's enough, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I must say, uh, can we can we come up with some examples of this? Because uh, when you, Rita, when you started to speak about uh, water and energy use for the relative decoupling, and that you could still have a traditional growth tra trajectory, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I can relate to that. But for the mm -hmm. other two, I have a bit more problems with that still. Well, there there are three main strategies that she talks about in the chapter when it comes to uh, these degrees of decoupling, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's the energy transition, so we're just more efficient with uh, with uh, energy and water resource. It's a, it's so it's the energy transition. It's the resource efficiency. So instead of um, us just using part of the resources, again we we had this also with the butterfly flow diagram. We can really make sure that it loops and loops, and even you know, in in in, in lower degrees, uh, we can still uh, you know you you don't have you don't just use a product and then throw it away. You can reuse it, and you can repair it, and you can refurbish it. So there's all these loops, yeah. and those those strategies make it that we are much more efficient with our resources. And then there's the digital, the digital uh, economy. So she says, you know, we have this more lightweight economy that's not so based on, on manufacturing, which mm -hmm. also makes us uh, want to need less resources. But but her her, um, I think she says all all three of them basically are still not enough. We need to we need to think about more. But those right. are the things that you that you can think about when it. And it comes to decoupling. Yeah, yeah, because when we were exploring the the, the corporate to do list or the uh, uh, ladder of ambition, which I proposed as a, an alternative way of thinking, in it, uh, it it's actually that the the, re, the regenerative thinking. Uh, I think we agreed, Rita, that when we were discussing this, it actually the leap towards regenerative thinking. It's mm -hmm. it's a bit like you cross a certain boundary or a threshold. It's 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 a more radical, different way of working than any of the other ambitions. Uh, a lot of the other ambitions are more about doing less evil or trying to get to net zero, uh, that's things a, like that's that. A, yeah, the, 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 generous, the generosity. Yeah, if you want to leap towards generosity, yeah. let's say, yeah, uh, and, and abundance. And I think in the, in the tech optimist community, the, the word abundance is in, and purpose, of course, are used a lot. Uh, so if you have a, a, a zero marginal, uh, uh, cost uh, the the Rifkin idea, 
then you enter into an economy of uh, abundance. And that may be one of the supporting trends for this absolute decoupling mm-hmm. pathway. Is that, would that be yeah. correct to think about it in that way? Because I'm trying to link those ideas up. Uh, they, they are related, obviously. Yeah, they, they are definitely related. I think, you know, it's, it's, we have to move beyond. It's, a, it's, it's, again, the same invitation to move beyond just doing what pays or doing what's enough or doing our fair share, mm-hmm. which, are, which are all still basically growth-focused. Growth yeah. But being redefining your whole purpose and just being generous and, and just uh, having that as a, you know, as, a, as a center stage metric and just going for prosperity, whether, whether you're growing or not, uh, I think that's closer to, to, the, to the generous economy. And to mm. you know uh, being generous as a company, because uh, I think if if you have the generosity in mind, uh, you might, for instance, say, um, okay, we're we're just going to slow down production now because we need to give our forest time to to grow trees again, right? And and so then your profit might uh, you know uh, go down or. Uh, not grow at least, but you but you you put other metrics before that. You 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 think about how to uh, regenerate the resources that you are using. So yeah. I think that uh, that very much uh, can be linked to how you would also be able to reach a level of sufficient absolute decoupling. Hmm. Well, uh, when I uh, go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I, I would suppose that the dashed line of planetary boundaries is where you use exactly one planet. One planet, yeah. Um, Makes sense, yeah. (laughs) And it it seems like the concept of decoupling is also uh, assuming that we continue to grow. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, So it's an if-then statement. Uh, If you continue to grow and then you're still so much resource efficiency that at some time you are uh, less than um, using one planet, you're sufficiently absolutely decoupled. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also another point I think if you're not instead of using exactly one planet you're mm-hmm. using less or you're in other words giving back to the planet I would define that as being regenerative yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah I agree yeah yeah and you have to you have to understand the planet in what stage right the planet now is already uh, depleted quite a bit you know, we have, uh, you know, uh, arid areas are growing, uh, water shortages. So we actually already have quite a replenishing challenge That's, to do. Yeah. To, yeah. To, to, and and the, 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 if, if we would take better care of the planet, the planet would be able to recuperate again to maybe, maybe you know, to its full glory, let's say. Because, and then in, in a totally regenerative planet, we wouldn't have the Sahara anymore or all the other other deserts everything would be fertile soil again right so it's mm. it's also looking at so what how do we define that one planet it's not the planet that we have now it's the planet that we had perhaps you know um that's mm. yeah, constantly a few, changing a few decades ago and colonizing new planets yeah i mean that won't stop <laughs> That won't stop. Yeah, then, then we will have another story, I think. Then we can go for growth again. Oh, yeah. I think it won't stop. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing. It's it's, it's a parallel <laughs> track, right? It's I think uh, thinking in a way that everything will will go in one way is 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 very naive. It, it'll probably will happen in in many ways parallel, mm. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. well, then maybe th those stacked S curves again. You know, we have this S curve now, and then we have another planet that we can colonize. <laughs> we will have a new S curve. Yeah. So instead of instead of new technologies, it it will be. So what's the next planet that we have colonized? Yeah. Okay, well, we're, I we're, move, we're moving away from the chapter again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was I once was a tech optimist. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a former tech optimist. Uh, uh, anyway, so okay, that's very useful. I think to to have explored the, those uh, ideas of decoupling more. Because it's it's all about uh, letting go of uh, GDP uh, as, a, as a central focus and really more focusing on what has, actually has priority, let's say, the planetary boundaries. And especially after, for instance, COP25 in Madrid, which was not successful, uh, urgency yeah. is not uh, felt. Yeah, I hear you sighing. It's yeah, actually it's a, so... a direct uh, example <laughs> of of how uh, difficult this really is in practice. It, it's 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 really an example of how difficult it is. So I I mean I I'm, I am sighing because I mean of course I, I'm disappointed that nothing really has happened. But it just uh, maybe I'm sighing because I think this really shows how trapped we are in the system. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I I I would I would have wanted to see that instead of only you know okay so we're disappointed and you know maybe yeah maybe next year in glasgow it will all become better mm -hmm. okay sure that's maybe one takeaway but i i would i would, would would have loved to hear more about what what my takeaway is an understanding and an acknowledgement of how trapped we are in the system and yeah. to have more efforts around the the redesign of systems and did I don't, you, I don't, I don't really see anything around that topic. Did you uh, hear that uh, one of the issues that played up is they 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 actually stopped later than planned, right? Uh, but then that became an issue because not everybody could reschedule their flight back again. The aircraft, uh, some lower income countries or poor, let's say poorer countries. Uh, the arguments that the representatives of those countries made was we, we cannot just swap our tickets and, and uh, you know, uh, go, leave a day later. We don't have any budget for that. We have mm -hmm. to leave. Yeah. <laughs> so they could not participate in the final part. Uh, at least that's, you know, the, I think all of this is, our, this is political messaging, but, but mm -hmm. this is the messaging that's being done. And mm -hmm. I think it's quite telling that it is that kind of arguments that, that are being exchanged. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, my fear is if we don't tackle that we need systems redesign for really quite big stuff, actually, mm -hmm. we, will, we will not come to, to, to solutions next year either, even if it's yeah. like, because they said, oh, well, this was like a, like a small, uh, you know, a small reunion. This was like just, uh, just to see how we are in the process. And then next year, we actually yeah. have to make you know, an agreement again. It's like a deadline, yeah. but it will just be, it, it will move up again because people mm -hmm. will just be totally ignorant on how to tackle all this. And I don't see any, yeah, but, and I'm, I'm not aware of, of everything that's happening, of course. So hopefully there are uh, <laughs> like initiatives around more systems change because if we, 
if we mm -hmm. don't look at the underlying dynamics that are that are making it so impossible to 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 make these agreements with each other that, that look like so simple, right? From the point of view of a Greta and all these younger people that say, why don't you do anything? Yeah, and just fix it. Yeah, just fix it. And then the people that have, that have the power or that, that are in positions just say, I don't know how because I don't want to lose my votes or I don't want this or I'm afraid of this. And I, I would love to just be have an open discussions about a discussion about what are those fears? How can we, you know, make make different connections, perhaps? Yeah. And again, with all of it, it, I'm just so convinced that it has to come from the people. We have to awaken. We have to be aware. We have to take our responsibility. So yeah. we also support the ones representing us with, yeah. with uh, moving to solutions that that are more in line with the changes that we need. Yeah, I think part part of 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 um, I don't know learning about the situation is also about you know knowing what news to uh, look for. I mean, uh, sometimes it can be uh, very much right under your nose. I think mm -hmm. so. For instance, the uh, the uh, the stock option. Um, how do you say the emission of uh, stock options of Saudi Aramco, uh, now the, the biggest company or, or officially the biggest company in the world, right? Uh, but it's also uh, traded on the stock market. Mm -hmm. Did you pick up on that news? No. Oh, no? Oh, okay. <laughs> it, well, okay. So it's the uh, one of the, uh, maybe it's the biggest oil company in the world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, from the Saudi Arabian companies, uh, countries, mm -hmm. uh, kingdom, I must say. And um, uh, wow, I didn't prepare this, <laughs> but uh, I read uh, it's it's it has become the most valuable country ever. A company. Yeah. Company, sorry. The yeah. Most valuable company yeah, 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 but but uh, much more less so than expected. So at first the expectations were very high, but then uh, given the pressure on uh, you know uh, the, the bad image of petrochemical uh, products and, and, and the long-term viability of that industry, um, actually investors were not that uh, enthusiastic to step in, not as expected mm -hmm. by the owners in Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. but the people in the country itself did participate quite significantly, partly peer pressure, partly pride uh, mm -hmm. because it's part of our tradition things like that um uh, so there, there are a lot of geopolitical tensions in there but there's also this move towards um well it, i think it's a public recognition that by listing a company like that on the stock market you actually open up the the uh, the ownership structure of the company mm -hmm. um allowing more for a transition than is possible if it's just uh, you know uh, unlisted uh, and it uh, it becomes a public company in a way right mm -hmm. um, so the challenges can be shared more with more shareholders um, that yeah are yeah well, yeah of course I think I, I think it, it definitely helps if you if you're publicly traded and you and there just like we follow the money that has mm -hmm. uh, owns owns uh, shares in Shell. Yeah. And and tries to influence uh, uh, the company uh, through shareholder power or shareholder activism, but I think through all the stakeholder channels you can you can have an influence on a company. You can also have influence by not becoming a client or not becoming a partner. I don't think it's just um, through um, 
the, the shareholder role. Oh, no, I'm not saying that it's just uh, that strategy, but I, I think it's interesting that this is news that is, is out there, which has, mm -hmm. is, is, has in an economic sense, a very significant impact, certainly mm -hmm. on the traditional trajectory, on the card-coupled trajectory, which is still mm -hmm. very much a reality for, yeah. for um, the majority. So um, anyway, I think it's interesting to, um, to relate those developments to this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, let's see, where are we in the chapter? Uh, at some point, the, uh, Kate uh, speaks about um, how this list of um, uh, stages of growth by Rostov, mm -hmm. how that can be uh, updated for the 21st century. And she, she stri strikes out the age of high mass consumption with an alternative stage, uh, preparation for landing and the arrival of the aircraft. So how do we land it? How do we learn to land? And perhaps this preparation gives us all a sense of uh, responsibility, which I think is very uh, useful and needed mm -hmm. to, to work on this together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the preparation for landing is like we have to make sure there's a landing strip in the first place and perhaps we don't have a landing strip we don't have the new new systems but the more welcoming welcoming systems that uh that allow for landing yeah because we are we're also addicted to to growth yeah and to, because and it, to the market economy it's not just growth right it's this is this whole infrastructure of the market economy where everybody depends uh on yeah, so the, the, the learning and preparation, those are two key words, right? So it, if, we, if we want to have a safe landing, we need to learn and prepare. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, in the, and we are challenged in the learning and preparation on three levels. Uh, and, and she relates it to the keyword addiction, right? Uh, yeah. So we are financially addicted, uh, mm -hmm. the way we, we work with money, uh, a reason, think about money. Uh, politically addicted, uh, how we um, play with hopes and fears and power dynamics, how uh, you know, populism, how we inform people. And I think education has a very interesting role here as well, which is not mentioned explicitly, at least not in the summary notes that I made. Maybe she does mention it. Well, actually, in the, in the, in the, the part after, uh, in the appendix, uh, in the section we are all economists now, she, she mentions that we need to uh, storm the citadels, which is about yeah. very it's much about, about education. Uh, yes, and storming it from within also. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. think it's so interesting that this little rap video she made. Uh, these puppets they go and visit the knowledge bank. Exactly. Uh -huh. Right. And ding dong. Hello. Is this a knowledge bank? Yes. And she calls <laughs> it a bank, and I think it's correct. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but the other addiction she mentions is uh, social. We need something to aspire to. Why otherwise? Mm -hmm. Why why would we make this podcast otherwise? I mean, yeah. we uh, if we didn't have any aspirations, maybe we need to get over our addictions, and just stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I found a really interesting article lately. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it's a it's a stretch too far for this podcast, but it was it it had a nice title with. Uh, talking about Nietzsche's uh, idea of the death of God. And then mm. that was that is still pretty hard, but the death of economic man will be uh, like uh, <laughs> bandage for ah. the soul. Ba it'll be a band-aid for the soul? Is that tradition? Yes, something like that, yeah. 
Um, so I, I think that we uh, now that we don't have um, sort of religion telling us what we have to do, mm-hmm. we still have a very deep need for like a great uh, vision, etc., to aspire to. Mm. And that is really where this mass consumption uh, jumps in, and also the growth optimism. So we we it, it's hard to 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 uh, take away those um, those huge visions and huge stories, and you need something uh, in in place of that. Mm, yeah, okay. there's also another quote that she mentions. It is difficult to get a man to understand something when his salary depends on his not understanding it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a lot of that happening now, including <laughs> the women. To let go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's difficult to get a man or woman yes. <laughs> to understand something. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, I, uh, but uh, so for for the reason. For the reasons that I just was talking about, I think it's hard for an individual to be growth agnostic. It's easier to just jump to one of the extremes. And just to be comfortably in the middle is already a, a real effort, I think. Yeah. Mm. Well, navigating uh, dilemmas in a way that feels, uh, you know, uh, you are actually thriving. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, if you want to thrive also in the transition, um, does that mean you have to live like a monk uh, first for 20 years? Or is there a way of, I don't know, um, weaving? I think, there, I yeah? think there is a, there's a way of weaving it, but at least for me, it really helped. To live like a monk? Following, following more of a minimalist strategy, mm-hmm. you know, saying, saying no to a lot of things mm-hmm. and yeah. saying enough. I say, I say no to quite a bit. I mean, I get, I get sometimes like interesting vacancies. Oh, this is something for you. Wouldn't this, you know, is this not something like a job that you would want? And she said, I don't want a job. <laughs> I, I, I don't. It's, it's just not aligned anymore with my purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I got uh, like from a consulting firm that I worked for, uh, I, co- I collaborated with uh, earlier and they offered, they, well, it, it wasn't necessarily an offer yet, but they said, oh, we've got this interesting thing in, in the, for mm. the municipality of Utrecht. It was around parking. I did a lot around parking in Amsterdam. And I literally wrote back, if it's not extremely linked to sustainability, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And it was part-time, obviously well-paid. You know, it, it, it met a lot of other criteria, but it's, it is about making some tough choices perhaps tough choices in the beginning, but actually they're not that tough anymore for me. Yeah. So uh, I, I, think, I think for that, we also need perhaps to, to dare a little bit, to experiment in that front as well. I think we, we, we are capable to, to, of much more than we think. Yeah. I think it's quite a personal journey of maybe... It's a very personal journey, yeah. One or two decades to get to such, such a point. Yeah. So there's already then a whole uh, sort of, if you want investment uh, in front of that. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's on the note of, of personal and, and that it will take decades. Uh, I, I agree with that. But I think uh, you mentioned, Indra, that, uh, you know, that we're maybe also addicted to the idea that we need a, a big vision, um, maybe as an alternative to religion, right? Uh, and I think there's maybe uh, in, in this, these addictions also this idea that uh, maybe we are addicted to big stuff. Uh, so small steps, mm-hmm. small 
promising things we can do at a at a personal level uh, are are maybe a very fine alternative to the, the the overall big vision thing, as long as we uh, there are many people uh, moving in the in in that direction. Let's say uh, I, I think that can be helpful um, and. Um, there's also this idea. I think what we've been discussing right now is we've been conflating uh, multiple levels of... Mm, that's <laughs> uh, we've been conflating uh, the personal with the national level of recursion uh, when, when we were talking about these economic principles, right? So there's stuff we can do on a personal level, and I don't you know, calculate my personal GDP. I don't. <laughs> no, or your you personal footprint. Well, okay, yeah. Well, that tests. would be interesting. Yeah, that would be yeah. interesting. Yeah, Maybe well, we I do Maybe monitor. <laughs> Sorry? Maybe we should. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting. But but then, you know, th there's action we can take within our own scope of, uh, so if you your, your circle of concern, right, but you have to also your circle of influence and, and actual mm -hmm. impact, which is typically for most of us quite small. Yeah. Uh, that somehow we need to link up those two, uh, but I think the promising examples obviously also come from, uh, from the personal level. But at some point, we do need collectively, I think, uh, discover the principles that we need for um, the more well national and, and supranational um, ways of working. And for that, I think uh, donut economics mm -hmm. is a great inspiration. Yeah. yeah, but also uh, just an example, okay, I think all three of us are, are doing things in our own personal sphere to to move towards the better, but already this collaborating, you know, mm -hmm. co-creating, creating community, I think is a step up. Yeah. You know, this, this, so, so. Having I, a conversation. Think, yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, and also the, the. Uh, politics at the national level are really in interaction with the citizens and i i feel mm -hmm. often they are just looking for the best idea that they can find out there and then yeah. they pass that on so it's sort of a filter function yeah and a lot of of, of politics uh, about politics is the way i've learned to understand it is it's it's a lot about timing as well right i mean some good ideas just you know they need a perfect storm for for yeah. politicians to adopt mm -hmm. and and also the the debate, I guess. So, uh, in the debate with with where where all the parties clash, you get, might get a better result than any mm. individual party would, yeah. would do. Yeah, but for that, actually, you know, uh, that is actually the promise of academia as well, right? I mean, this is the kind of debate you would expect in in the academy. Yeah, it's uh, not there. No, no, no. And 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 interestingly enough, it's it's it's. I think it's uh, more on the right. Uh, of the political spectrum currently that, uh, you know, uh, the, the challenge towards ingrained thought patterns within the academy are, are being fed. I think they are more vocal about that than the left, mm. uh, which is uh, really, really interesting. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't understand why that is the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to emphasize uh, at least two final points, which is that... To I think really the sort of an educational project of uh, all humans is really the uh, a way to to go where I, I believe in, and then also which which he stresses in the storming the citadel, 
uh, as an as an act that she uh, sorry as an action that she advises us to take is really the, the problem of um, the expertise status that these economists get, get yeah. which is causing a lot of harm, and that yeah. that, that really needs to uh, end basically. So a positive action we could take, it maybe, is is amplify alternative voices in the in economics thinking. Yeah, yeah. You could have a broad educational project, which is, I think, very very valuable, and you can also then. Uh, which but how how would you do which, that broad educational project? So the first point. Sounds I like a big no, vision. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, but it could include those politicians at. Um, where where Rita was uh, complaining about as well, um, uh, but but she she says in the book that that is not enough. We should really also storm the citadel and stop the uh, sort of uh, certificates that they are they're providing for mainstream economists that then have a license to sort of destroy the planet and to be uh, to be uh, held in high esteem. <laughs> yeah, maybe a bit. Uh, they, 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 I, I'm, I'm not too negative about uh, individual economists. <laughs> so uh, we are, uh, we have passed the one-hour mark, and I think uh, where we are in our conversation right now is maybe uh, you know it's it's series two, uh, the Dunglish series, mm-hmm. uh, final chapter. Uh, Rita, we I think we'll do a live recording as well soon, right? Yeah, perhaps next week already. You haven't. Yeah. Uh, um... We haven't uh, put that in, in, down as a as a as a fixed uh, thing yet, but it's an idea. So maybe we'll yeah. do that. And if not, perhaps another time. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe you know we'll we'll find the moment for 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 the the, the live uh, version of the English the Dunglish uh, yeah. series. Yeah. But um, maybe uh, just uh, to, uh, in closing, if we reflect on where we we we're here again, right? Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this before. Yeah. Um, how do we relate to the donut economics stuff now that we've uh, we are here again. What has changed? What is what has grown? What has shrunk? What has what is moving? What is alive? What is generating? What is generous? <laughs> I'll shut up now. Well, for, I, I don't know if anything really has changed a lot for me. I'm still super enthusiastic about everything because I I think I. The first time around, but also this time, I recognize both the the appeal of the simplicity of a donut visual, mm. and also just the, the the whole challenge and um, you know it fe- feeding my curiosity of all the things that she mentions in the book. Right mm-hmm. there, there are just there are so many examples, pieces of history, uh, experimentation, invitation to to crack these difficult systems uh, knots, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm still very motivated to, to not just learn more about these things, like we, we put on our bucket list a lot of items oh, yeah. that I oh, want, yeah. want to explore more. Many to-dos. <laughs> yeah, many to-dos in that sense, but not, not only on a learning from a learning perspective, but I think mm-hmm. also now seeing if we can combine it towards applying it more. Yeah. So, so for me, the, the eagerness to apply it more, to to do something with it, uh, whether it's just on a you know 
have, having more talks about it or maybe see if, 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 if we can help companies or municipalities think more around this topic to uh, supporting initiatives that are already working within the donuts. I think mm. it's, uh, there's a lot of options. So yeah, I also to have that, you know, to, to, to make more work from that, of mm -hmm. that. I also think the purpose of the book is very much to, to win a battle or to gain ground in a battle of ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with the growth, growth agnosticism as the most difficult one, perhaps. Mm -hmm. But that there is a huge uh, potential audience that would respond more positively to less, to more, more examples and more applied. Well, yeah. book is quite uh, intellectually uh, focused, I guess. Yeah. But, but, just what you say, you know, it's it's the book is to win ground uh, in the battle of ideas, and the seventh, be, be agnostic about growth, is perhaps the biggest idea. I think there's still a lot of battling to do mm. with people just realizing there's actually a chapter seven. You know, that's basically my my biggest disappointment with how how there's that uh, how there's being talked about this donut economics there's like a lot of enthusiasm but mm -hmm. it doesn't go very much further than chapter one slash two perhaps not even two chapter one and then circular economy basically that's what i see happening a lot chapter one sustainability chapter one donut oh uh you know all the things that we already know and and yeah. uh, oh it's put so charmingly now oh it's called donut you know and and people are not reading through actually the meaning of the embedded economy, chapter two. They're not reading into what it means for, for our, our view of humanity, chapter three. They're not reading, well, a little bit perhaps, the, the, about systems, how it's actually very necessary that we see that this is a system. Then there's the distributive economy, regenerative economy, and then there's this chapter seven. So I think there's still a lot more to do with putting more of these other ideas, there are seven ideas, putting them all a little bit more to the forefront. Mm. I think the, uh, I, I love the, the frame of ba uh, battle of ideas. I think that's yeah. uh, very well put. And I think it's completely, it's like, uh, you know, uh, heliocentrism, you know, you know, it's like a, a, a revolution uh, in thought. Yeah. Which takes time to uh, get, wrap your head around uh, mm -hmm. in a serious way. Right? And what Lita yeah. means, this is sort of a donut washing problem, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a very much yeah, a donut washing yeah. problem. Yeah. Let's so call it donut. Much. <laughs> but, but I think that there, there you see both the power and the, 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 the backlash of a friendly frame as a donut. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the donut thing. You know, it's, 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 it's uh, in a way, food. Yeah, yeah, it, it is comfort. Com there we go. It is comfort food. Indra, you're on a roll. Well, th this would be a nice challenge towards Kate Raywood. You say, well, yeah. it's, it's 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 framed as comfort food, and that's mm. how it's being used. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because people, you know, draw to concentric circles. Maybe they put in a few words, and 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 then you have a debate, and then it's too difficult, and then people don't explore further. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, or they, yeah, or they just, you know, think that they already are doing a lot. 
Whereas on the on the to do list, they're still in. You know, <laughs> I'm sure yeah. I'm doing my part mostly. But in a, in a way, you know, you could say it's almost like a, a reddingsbuoy, a, a, a buoy. If you know, if you, yeah, yeah. If you want to jump ship from the Titanic, uh, then it's it gets a different idea, right? It's something to hold on. Oh, to. That's a good one too. So, well, something <laughs> to hold one. on to while you uh, abandon uh, the structure that was yeah. supporting your life. Uh, right. Well, it's a different frame, maybe not as appealing, but... Uh, More positive, maybe. It, it'll be part two, maybe. <laughs> well, I, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But, yeah, but there is a solution. I would, I would guess the reporting is a way to counter the donut washing. I hope so. Yeah. To have clear rules that, uh, well, to, to report and to say, well, these are some minimum standards. Yeah. To, to, to be uh, to be met before you can seriously claim you do this or that. Well, I think there is low-hanging fruit. And I think, obviously, a step one is, is embracing the donut and then perhaps plotting what you already do. Of course, those are good steps. But to, it's, it's, if, if, I think she, she also puts in her book quite um, a, a pressure in, in sense of time because a lot of, but a lot of times she says, okay, this, these are the strategies we know, but it's not enough. You know, she does this a few times throughout the book. And so because it's not enough, we need that systems change. We need those structural change. Uh, we need a, a lot of more transformative uh, things to happen. And nobody's working on that uh, to-do yeah. list, if you will. Yeah. And I think that that needs to be, you know, needs to be talked about a little bit more. I, I say a lot, uh, you know, for, for instance, the difference between circular and, and donut economy. A lot of people say, like for instance, also the city of Amsterdam now uses it more as, a, as an add-on to their circular economy strategy, but it's not an add-on. It's, it's something that, if, it, if, it's, if anything, it's a doubling of your strategy because it's not just, you know, on, on circularity and circular principles. It's, it's very much focused also on a very, big social part of it, yeah. the whole yeah. distribu yeah. distributive part, and yeah. it really talks about systems change. And yeah. of course, circular economy, in a sense, is also a lot of systems change, but this talks about changing your political, uh, you know, political systems, changing your financial systems. It not, doesn't just talk about, oh, we have to have another business model. You know, mm -hmm. and those are more like the wordings that you see in circular economy. I'm also a big circular economy fan as well, but it's like okay, so we just need to find a bis the business model that fits the system that we already are yeah. working in. You know? well, I think uh, on a positive note, let's let's uh, move towards some positive notes for the end uh, for for the end of this episode at least. Uh, uh, I think but, it's good it's to huh. It's, it's all, in, to respond to what Rietje said, yeah. it's very much as well about government and setting the right circumstances for the right direction yeah. for, for the government. Government could take such a beautiful lead in this. I really yeah. believe that government and the is needed and the commons needed step up. But, you know, that was also mentioned, I think, in the, in the previous chapter, you know, the, the partner states, the government yeah, really looking at what, what the new situation needs to be and be the partner uh, state in this transition. Yeah. Well, when, I think when, that's a beautiful uh, opportunity for... I for think uh, when, I, Anita, and I, when we were uh, organizing those uh, conferences with Community of Talents, uh, one thing I learned there from speaking to one of the keynote speakers was that uh, one thing that governments need from initiatives is mechanism design 
So if you can offer mechanisms that work, they are happy to adopt them. Mm-hmm. Criticism, they you know they hear all yeah. the time. They, yeah. they and they can't you know work with that. That's mm-hmm. like the default stuff. They won't yeah. hear it anymore. But if you can offer a working mechanism, that is something they can adopt. And I think those have to come from the commons space. Unless you mm-hmm. become you know an actor in government or or, or a politician, I think for uh, the rest of us. <laughs> Uh, we can find uh, unite in the commons, the commons to uh, develop those mechanisms that then can be adopted by public bodies. That's that's at least my my yeah, take. I think I think a, a huge uh, factor could could also be just internal internal trans, transformation of of government institutions. Hmm. I think there there are a lot of ambitious uh, public uh, public officials, public officers, public workers that want change and yeah. and that that. that that are in this unique position of being within the organization, having the means, being close to the decision makers, and really being close to the public. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. you know that it doesn't necessarily have to be an outside in. Uh, I think definitely you know if we have if we put the good examples, but it, I think that's valid for everybody. Yeah, everybody lo- loves constructive feedback more than criticism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but there's there's a huge potential I feel if 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 uh, if government uh, institutions are willing to uh, to invest in that uh, transformative uh, potential from within. Yeah. So the, the the positive note that I wanted to make is that at least the uh, what we've seen from interacting with the community that is interested in donut economics as a book, as a theory, as a way of working, uh, as a way of inspiring new policy development is that there there is a significant crowd of people in various places in society that is interested and motivated and active in in applying it although there are are many 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 challenges in uh, in doing that and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe for the continued effort of uh, donut talks and other things Mm -hmm. that we're doing uh, i think we've uh, shed a bit more light on uh, what is needed uh the 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 the, the immense uh, battle of idea that's going on and, and the humble contribution, perhaps, that we can, uh, can make within that. Yeah. Any uh, final words of wisdom from, uh, from you, uh, Rita and Indra? Well, I do want to finish with, with uh, bucket list items. Aha, okay, yeah. So, uh, I have to think about my... <laughs> I can't, I can't okay, Indra, do you have a bucket list item? <laughs> or are you working on one? Um, well, yes, and then it's immediately, uh, simultaneously an answer to your previous question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we need a knowledge bank uh-huh. and um, sort of curating ideas for systems design, as you mentioned, and maybe systems change that could uh, facilitate the transformation towards the uh, donut. I think yeah. that could be really helpful to cur- curate. Um, good information that uh, pertains to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my bucket list items would be to read more of the things that I related to the things that I referenced. For example, the book that I mentioned of the, I didn't read it, but I think it's worthwhile. So maybe we do that. <laughs> the, the prophet and the, and the yeah. wizard one? Just saw, just saw the presentation. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there was also one called Blueprint by, uh, that was in the article that I mentioned as well, called Blueprints, the Origins of a Good Society, something like that, mm. from Nicolas Christakis. That seems also very worthwhile. Mm. Okay. 
For me, I think we didn't mention it this time. We did in the Dutch version to learn more about chromatistics, ah. the art of accumulating wealth. Yes. So it's this in her chapter of financially addicted, what's to gain? And uh, the concept of uh, demurrage. Oh, yeah. Demurrage. Mm. Uh, that, that, that would be a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, and I, I think I had a, a, quite some other financial bucket list items as well. But so basically, how to restructure finance is uh, is quite interesting for me. I'm, I'm curious about it, so mm. I do want to dive a little bit deeper in that. Well, if I if I would then building on what you what you're saying, uh, if I would put put a challenging bucket list item out there. I think it would be about uh, applying currency design to uh, knowledge production systems uh, and learning systems. And this is a, an old bucket list item of mine. Uh, I, I, there is a presentation online by Bernard Littard. He's mentioned by Kate with in the book. Uh, he, he died uh, not too long ago. But he, there's, he has a presentation on a system called DORA. The Dora system, and it's about uh, how to pay for people learning with an alternative currency in a way that is well. Uh, when I looked at it last time, it was very inspiring, uh, uh, but then I got sort of sidetracked because the whole idea of designing a currency, even though it, it, it may be more simple now, uh, it, it, the enablement of, of working with such a currency may be more simple now if, with the cryptocurrency mm. uh, platforms out there. It's still quite challenging. Um, uh, but it would be interesting, for instance, to explore how such an alternate, alternate, alternate currency could, for instance, relate to producing content like this. Mm -hmm. I think that would be a very practical uh lab to work on but it's yeah. it's more than just nice. a very simple uh task item it's mm -hmm. it's it's a project yeah uh, <laughs> yeah yeah but but uh, uh maybe a worthwhile one because uh, I, I what i like about the idea of uh, you know a, a battle of ideas i i do believe you are right that it's it uh, a lot of the stuff we did with three horizons when i uh, i'm actually re-engaging a bit with the hc uni a lot of the three horizons thinking is about battle of ideas. It's about horizon one thinking versus horizon three thinking. And those are not entirely mutually exclusive, but to a large extent they are. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and that's very challenging. So that need bridging, right? Uh, the horizon two stuff. And um, I'm I'm curious if, if alternate uh, currencies for learning and for preparing for developing ways of landing the plane. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe I have a role to play there. Uh, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, so it would be more than just a simple bucket list item, but perhaps a, a, a direction for development. I, I want to reuse the word growth. <laughs> do, do we, for our listeners, need to shortly tell what certain terms mean? For example, demurrage is like uh, putting to money a sort of rotting quality like uh, mm. apples, such mm. that it's, you can't hoard it. Um, yeah. And it's therefore, you have a fee for holding money. Yeah. And therefore, Inflation. you have to invest in sustainable projects because that's the way how you sustain your money yeah. instead of hoarding yeah. it. And so and it's not about gain, but maintain. Right. <laughs> maintain. <laughs> and I thought maybe the horizons one, two, three that you maybe need to should elaborate a little bit. 
Well, if people want to know more about the Three Horizons framework, uh, I suggest they go to h3uni.org, the website yeah. you can find in the resource library there. Um, uh, we can put a link in our wiki. Yes, well. uh, you will find in detail what the framework is about, but it's about exploring pathways for future development with, from very different perspectives that uh, it, typically in, in dialogue about the future tend to clash. And it's a way of facilitating that kind of conversation so that it can be generative, not degenerative. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's yeah. it. Okay. okay, thank you both. We are at one hour and well over 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. <Yo. laughs> this is the longest. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we are experiencing growth, but, uh, but it's not GDP. So just maybe it's a good thing. It's a good one, yeah. I don't know what color it is, though. It's uh, it, mine, uh, My file is 200 megabytes almost. So. <laughs> yeah, mine too. Mine too. I can't see. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, thank you. Thank you, Rita and Indra. Thank you. Yeah. It was fun. And till we meet again. And we will. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye.